Clare means business. A Clare FM exclusive podcast with Josh Prenderville. Hello there. You're very welcome along to this latest episode of Clare Means Business. I hope you're well and well done for making it through the week. Very much back into the swing of things now, aren't we? And hard to believe we're already into the second half of January. Can you believe that? Later in the show, speaking of things that are hard to believe, we'll assess what the impact on businesses has been of the Good Friday Agreement, which is 25 years old in April. Now, though, we want to speak to a Ballyvaughan-based entrepreneur who found her traditional tonics business back in 2021. Ennis native Adele Breslin, who had previously worked as a chef, says she was inspired by natural remedies being used in coastal communities to allow people to boost their immune system. She's now working with local farmers and seaweed growers to produce her tonic. Adele's with me now. Thanks for your time. Firstly, then, I know you had that chefing education, if you like, but what was the genesis of the idea for your product? Yeah, absolutely, Josh. So uh, pre-COVID, I had been working as a chef for a number of years, uh, mainly based in the west of Ireland. And then I suppose when the lockdown came, that all finished up. So I started to look into study uh, nutritional therapy and herbal medicine. So I uh, started that in 2020 and along with that I started to work in the health connection in the Turnpike, uh, the health food shop and uh, I suppose I was amazed with the amount of customers that would buy the dried carrageen and that used it throughout the lockdown and that they believed that it helped them strengthen their immune system and it was something they were always used to using and grew, growing up with. So I started to play around with it myself and it was something that would have been used traditionally uh, in my family, but my granny being from uh, Milltown Malbay. So I started to play around with different ingredients to make it more palatable and to um, bring up the nutrient content of it. So I so that was back nearly a year and a half ago. So I was playing around with it and you know, giving it to friends and family to try. And they felt, you know, really good after it, you know, energy and people recovering from COVID. They felt like, you know, it relieved things for them. Mm. And they loved using the the, the traditional ingredients because I think so many people have a memory connected to it, you know, of maybe grandparents using it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so that's where the idea was really born, kind of tapping into that traditional use for respiratory ailments and immune support. Yeah. And I suppose there's one thing coming up with an idea, but as you probably are well aware of by now, it's, it's a different thing in terms turning that into a business and I, I guess a, a sustainable business model as well. How did you manage to do that and, and how's that process been for you? Yeah, so that was, yeah, you're exactly right. Yeah, it's a, it's a long process. So um, I had great supports really, like especially from um, chefs and people I would have worked for before, uh, like, you, you know, even with developing the recipe and getting it somewhere, you know, that had all the balance, palatable, you know, nutrient content. So especially um, I used to work for Jess Murphy in uh, Kai in Galway, and she was fantastic, you know, it really motivated me to go for it because I gave her some to try. And then even chefs in uh, Monks in Ballyvaughan, they were fantastic. And even my family as well, they were all really supportive. So I suppose that's a great thing when you are, you know, you're, you're coming up with an idea you know it is important to share it with people because I know some people can be afraid about that but people are extremely supportive and that's the thing that's like from the day I even started you know trying it out you know people are just so helpful I think it's especially in Ireland I just feel really lucky with the people that will help you out that you know they might tell you something they learned from a completely different business but it's great just to share share um 
your your thoughts and what you're you're going through with starting a business or, and just bounce things off people because they do generally want to help you out. Absolutely. I suppose in terms of the help that you've had, you've had a lot of local help in terms of the product itself. Um, I, I know that you mentioned on your website, for example, the seaweeds harvested here from um, yeah, the, the, yeah. the west coast of this county, of course, there are, you're working closely with farmers in, in the locality as well. And I, I guess you're maybe the latest in a line of a number of people that I've spoke to on the programme, particularly around your area of North Clare, where there's a real ecosystem there of, of businesses and people really helping each other out to get the most out of the area and themselves. That's it, yeah. And I suppose that was one of the good things about um, the lockdown and that people, you know, you really see the difference of supporting small businesses. It has a direct impact. So as you said, yeah, I get the, the seaweed from um, the Talties and Quilty. And then spoken the, to them uh, in the past outside. as well. They have a great story. And it's it, the, the seaweed yeah. thing is, is becoming a real big thing, isn't it? It is. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a, you see so many uh, businesses tapping into it and uh, getting back into that tradition of using it in our diet. So it's great. And they, yeah, they, it's it's really good um, quality. I suppose we're blessed here on the West Coast with the clean water. So it's right on our doorstep. And um, even yeah, in Munster alone, even in throughout Ireland, do so many good suppliers and they're really helpful. You know, they love to see their products going into good quality um, products then after that. So, yeah, it's great. We've so much here. So it's just, I suppose I was lucky because I was used to working with a lot of the the brands I work with now. Yeah. So, you know, I was used to their ingredients. Um, but yeah, it's great. It's great to keep it local. It works well for everyone, you know. So it's, yeah, yeah, that's very important for me. And just in terms of the product itself then, is it a case of, a spoonful a day keeps the doctor away or, or what way is it administered or do you advise people? So what we'd advise people is if you're used to taking apple cider vinegar, you'd go 50 mils a day. So it's the guideline is kind of between 30 mils and 50 mils. So ideally on an empty stomach first thing in the morning and um, you can take it straight to get the most absorbability out of it. Or as what we've some people do is uh, mixing it with warm water and it'd be lovely in the evening. So if you were feeling a little bit under the weather this time of year, a little snuffly, you could do it in the morning, lunchtime and then in the evening. But if it's just for maintenance and upkeep, I'll do it once in the morning. And as I said, ideally straight. But it's great to see now, uh, especially at the farmer's market, we're getting so much feedback and how people are using it differently. And fantastic feedback coming back from parents with kids. And uh, they're loving it because, you know, they're mixing with apple juice or mixing it with yogurt. And, you know, they can really see it, especially with kind of kids that are congested now this time of year. There's there's really positive feedback and it's really natural, you know, so it's all food based and you only have the five ingredients. So for kids, even a tablespoon would be would be sufficient. Really interesting. Um, It's not just the tonic that you have. Just looking on your website there, there's bath salts available as well. And again, Really making use of the area and I, I guess the reputation that the, the coastal parts of this, this county have as well. It, has that been a popular pro- product for you? It has, yeah. Yeah, it has indeed. So you have the carrageen and the ginger peel and then the clementine peel as well. And then we've lemon verbena and, of course, the Epsom salts. So it's kind of tapping back into that traditional use of seaweeds in the baths for detoxing and cleansing properties. And then it's actually the product came from 
our aim of being a zero waste manufacturer. So, you know, we're reusing our, our uh, byproduct off making the tonics. So our ginger peel and our um, orange peel, they're dehydrated and aged. And then we incorporate them into this to the bath salts. So that's another re- really big objective. Um, yeah. How important you know, is that to you? Them. I suppose it's massive because, you know, it, it's, it contributes positively to everyone, you know, it, it keeps the cost down for the consumer because we're obviously, you know, we're, we're reusing the byproduct and then for the environment as well, that's a massive element. And then just because we're using such good quality ingredients, it's such a shame to throw, you know, the peel of something in the bin. So it's just, it's, it kind of has a holistic kind of benefit to it. When I was speaking to uh, Evan Talty there about wild uh, Irish seaweed and, and you mentioned them earlier, he was I suppose, kind of educating me really in terms of just the, the sheer number of countries that were interested in the, the product yeah, as far afield as Japan, Canada, all those sorts. Have you had international interest in terms of the online offering of your product? We have, yeah. Yeah, I suppose uh, more locally, just in Europe, even in the Netherlands. Um, and then we have had some interest from the US uh, at present. But going forward, it's something we definitely love to uh, look into, you know, exporting and that type of thing. Because as we seaweed all over the world is so renowned and so many different cultures have their ways of using it for well-being and health. So, yeah, at a, at a, at a smaller level, definitely in Europe, um, there has been interest, which is amazing. Yeah, it's it's incredible. And you mentioned earlier that the farmers market, etc. Adele, and um, where can people who are maybe that bit more local, as you say, apart from your website um, of ortonics.com OIR, where can people find you in person? So in person, they can meet us at the farmers market in uh, Ross Levin Shopping Centre Ennis from eight to one o'clock um, every Friday, and we're there amongst so many other wonderful uh, producers. And then we will be stocked in the Health Connection in the Turnpike from Monday the twenty third. So Olivia and the ladies there will look after you. And then uh, over the next couple of weeks, we'll have more stockists in kind of Clare, Limerick, and Galway. But we'll be keeping them posted on our Instagram at ortonics.com and online as well and just lastly Adela I guess you you mentioned maybe long term in terms of the international expansion side of things and maybe some of the the short term goals there in terms of that local availability but uh, I guess coming into 2023 your second full year in business now really um, what are are there any other kind of goals or objectives in the next 12 months that you're looking at maybe new products or any of that kind of thing Absolutely. Yeah. So we're actually moving to um, a premises in Ennis over the next couple of weeks. So that will give us more space to, to kind of package and to do some of the production as well. And uh, coming into summer, we also plan to do um, uh, a seasonal uh, tonic as well. So kind of incorporate more kind of summer berries and that type of thing. And then we do have a few other products uh, lined up as well that we've been trialing. So for the moment, it's just the the original Moss Boss tonic. And then, yeah, we're, we're very excited because we're having more space and um, so we'll, take, we'll be growing our team as well for 2023. So we've lots of exciting bits lined up. Sounds really good. And, and we might even check back in with yeah. you uh, in a few months time to see how things are going Definitely, in that premises yeah. in Ennis as well would be great. But for now, uh, great to hear your story. And thanks very much for sharing it with us. Uh, Adele Breslin of Ortonics can find her there, as she mentioned, uh, locally or indeed on the website uh, com. Thanks very much for speaking with us on Claire Means Business. Thanks a million, Josh. Thank you very much.
Really interesting stuff there from Adele. Another great example of an entrepreneur coming good in County Clare. Also another example, as I mentioned, of an ecosystem within Clare Enterprise that we're seeing where you have people like Adele and others all coming together to make the very most out of their products. It's great to see. Now, as I mentioned earlier, incredibly, it's nearly 25 years since the signing of the Good Friday Agreement and the release of a new report this week is highlighting the economic and social prosperity that the documents delivered for both the island of Ireland and Great Britain. Fergal O'Brien is Executive Director of Lobbying and Influence with IBEC, who've produced the report, and he's with me. Thanks for your time, Fergal. The North is, of course, back in the news in terms of the political aspect and what's happening in Stormont. But how, on reflection then, have businesses benefited from the agreement over the last two and a half decades? Yeah, thanks very much and thanks for the opportunity to to chat to you this afternoon on this. From an IBEC perspective, we're really focusing on the economic and the social benefits of of Belfast Good Friday Agreement. And we think that the the 25th anniversary is, you know, marking what has been a really significant evolution, um, development for the all-island economy, because the, the benefits of peace in terms of supporting prosperity right across this island, but also the bit that very often gets forgotten is actually on our neighbouring island as well. There was a lot of significant benefits for Great Britain in terms of having peace and stability. But when we engage with businesses right across the country, and this very much is an issue that we pick up right across the country in, 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 in every part of the island of Ireland, the fact that we now have stability, the fact that we have the certainty of peace has meant that business has been able to invest in a way on the island in a way that simply wouldn't have happened without the Belfast Good Friday Agreement. And I I think that's the most significant element of it, and and that's what we really want to shine a light on now. There's there's different aspects of that, but crucially it is about the certainty and stability of peace being able to underpin the prosperity and giving business people that are taking a long-term perspective on very major investment decisions, Mm. whether they're Irish-owned companies or or multinational companies, that they have a long-term commitment to the island of Ireland. And and that's been what we see as the most significant aspect of of Belfast Good Friday Agreement. Incredible to think now uh, that we're nearly seven years on from the, the Brexit referendum. Do you think that now, having all of us having had a chance to reflect on that, has seen us go backwards in terms of that certainty and prosperity in any way? Uh, if anything, I think the all-island economy has pushed on even further um, to, since since all the challenges in relation to, to Brexit and obviously the ongoing uncertainty to a degree in, in, in relation to the Ireland-Northern Ireland Protocol. Um, one of the things that we look at in, 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 in this latest report from IBEC is the fact that the volume of trade on the all-island economy going north-south and vice versa has actually surged in the last couple of years. So we've, we've now hit a record high of €9.5 billion euros worth of goods trade happening across the island of Ireland. And the reason for that, I think, is that a, a, a lot of companies, they're much more conscious um, about their supply chain risks and where they can source goods from the island of Ireland, they now feel that it actually gives them you know, much more certainty, resilience in, in, their, own, in their own supply chains. So in, in a way, despite the kind of political uncertainty that still remains, 
business is kind of getting on and doing what business does. And we see businesses all over the country um, in, in, in every part of Ireland saying, well, look, if I can source this from the island of Ireland, it actually probably makes my supply chain more secure, given everything else that's happened with, 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 with COVID and with the war in Ukraine and everything else. So the all-island economy is, is doing really well. The other element of the all-island economy that we've seen flourish in the last couple of years has actually been the labour market. So one of the things that we point out in the report is the benefits of economies of scale of investing on the island of Ireland. So when we have a population of, of 5 million people in Ireland, we have a population of 2 million people in Northern Ireland. When you look at the labour market, so the labour pool for an investor, we have 3.6 million potential workers on the island of Ireland. And because of COVID, we don't need the same proximity to your employer for, 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 for someone to take up a role so we could easily have someone in Belfast working two days a week in Ennis or Limerick or in Cork or, or, or in Dublin and we see that kind of happen in practice and, and maybe even in, in kind of different working arrangements but the fact that the person is on the island of Ireland is definitely an advantage and we see companies tapping into that kind of all-island labour pool in, in a very different way from what they were in the past. I know the report touches on some case studies in terms of industries and sectors that have maybe uh, benefited uh, the most from the Good Friday Agreement. What are some of those now, 25 years on? I think tourism is a great example. And again, um, something that's really important to Clare, something that's really important in terms of um, the Wild Atlantic Way and the opportunity that that has brought us. So we've seen, in terms of the success of tourism Ireland, in terms of attracting visitors to the island, we have double the number of visitors now to the island of Ireland um, than we had in, in, in 1998. When, when the agreement was signed um, and there's no question but again having disability and the certainty of peace really matters in, ter- in terms of attracting in terms of attracting visitors in terms of presenting um, an all-island tourism offering um, and we see many visitors will want to experience what's on offer in in, in Northern Ireland we see the, the great success of be it film industry, be it um, be it be, be it Titanic Quarter, um, Wild Atlantic Way, we see the importance of having you know world class access through through our airports, and again that's shared infrastructure, and I think that's really significant. I spoke earlier about how su- supply chains have have been developing, and we see that in in key industries such as um, our our food industry, in terms of our drinks industry, again. Whiskey is an all-island industry, so it's a, a geographical indicator for the all-island, um, for the island of Ireland. So whether that whiskey distillery is in Clare or whether it's 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 in Down, it's 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 equally benefiting from that island of Ireland geographical indicator status, which is really important, and, and lots of other industries as well. But the economies of scale. Of, of having that kind of supply chain and labour supply right across the island of Ireland is, is really significant for so many companies. What do we need to focus on now then in the short to medium term, Fergal, and, and even in the next 25 years, please God, of the agreement from a, a purely a business and industry point of view? I, I think we, we continue, we, we shouldn't take for granted the, the, the benefits, the prosperity benefits that the agreement has brought to the island of Ireland, um, but also um, we can't neglect some of the areas that haven't benefited fully from that prosperity. We must make sure that the prosperity is is distributed equally right across the island. I think that's really important. There's a lot of particular challenges, I think, in the Northern Ireland economy 
um, that need to be addressed through investment. And I think that's one of the real ways that we bring the island together, physical investment in infrastructure, whether that's our, our better roads, whether it's um, taking a more ambitious view of what our, our wild Atlantic way might look like and, and, and um, a full circuit of the island of Ireland um, with infrastructure and, and, and tourism branding and everything else to, to, to support that. Um, our energy sector has obviously been in a lot of focus recently. We have a single electricity market on the island of Ireland, again, that wouldn't have been possible um, without Belfast Good Friday Agreement. But we need to look to the, the future in terms of our climate challenge and how, as a combined island, um, we can address the, the climate infrastructure that's going to be needed. Um, and crucially, we really must look at the whole area on an ongoing basis of the practicalities of north-south cooperation um, and how that the programmes have worked over the last number of years in supporting peace and supporting trade can be further embedded. And we continue to support this all-island economy because it does bring, ultimately, uh, a shared prosperity benefit for, for everyone living on the island. Absolutely, and a good note to leave it on, a real chance to reflect and indeed look forward. Um, I would encourage people to read that report if they can come across it, IBEC, uh, their for Peace and Prosperity campaign as well. Uh, Fergal O'Brien, Executive Director for Lobbying and Influence with IBEC, thanks very much for your time and for speaking with us on Clare Means Business. Thanks very much. Really interesting insight from Fergal there, and I suppose that agreement, whether it be in business or political circles, isn't something that we should take for granted in the short, medium or long term. Unfortunately, though this week's episode of the podcast is drawing to a close and it really felt like it flew by this week, already looking forward to next week's episode where we'll chat with the Clare man behind the Clubs app app that I'm sure many of you involved with sporting organisations locally will already be familiar with. Excited for that one, but for now, stay safe, enjoy your weekend and we'll chat with you again next Friday. You've been listening to an exclusive Claire FM podcast presented by Josh Prenderville. Log on each week to hear Claire Means Business 